Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights, the podcast for the CyberEd.io learning community. Our goal is to bring cybersecurity practitioners the latest and most relevant education and training to upskill and dive deeper into topics that matter in today's modern cybersecurity world. Good day, everyone. This is Steve King. I'm the managing director at cybered.io. And today for our podcast, we have the pleasure of Antoinette Hoda's company. She's a security evangelist in the office of the CTO for Checkpoint Software, also a global solutions architect in IoT at Checkpoint as well. And uh, as a broad and distinguished background in the in the space. Otherwise, you don't get to be what she is today. So welcome, Antoinette, and, and thank you for taking the time to share with me and our audience your, your background, a little discussion on some of the issues this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, and I love this industry. So introduce myself real quickly. My name is Antoinette Hodes, and I've been working as an engineer for over 25 years now. And I like the world that we uh, work in. It's very dynamic. It always brings new challenges. I also have a personal mission, making internet a better and safer place for our children. And I like the OT realm as well, operational technology, because it's completely different compared to IT. But that's something that we are going to discuss a little bit later. Yeah, no kidding. It certainly is. I wish everybody would <laughs> would hurry up and recognize that, you know. Let's start, if you don't mind, with telling us what a checkpoint evangelist is and how one earns that designation. Yeah, I'm very honored to be part of that distinguished group. That's people that are spokespersons for Checkpoint. They will speak at conferences and they will spread the word of Checkpoint. And I like our philosophy and our strategy because we believe that security should be simple with one consolidated management. And yeah, that's in a nutshell what it is, but uh, you have to do create white papers and things like that and all those things. Uh, It's so much fun to do. So I'm really happy to be part of this group. And I'm also a global solution architect. And in that role, I help customers with maintaining a very good security posture. What do they need to do to eliminate potential threats from the outside and from the inside? We do some kind of checkups to see... uh, what mitigation is in place. Uh, We will talk later on maybe about zero trust. Network access industry four is also really challenging. So everyday new challenges and a lot of topics and knowledge that you should have. And that's why I love my job. It's such a great job. And we have a great team at Checkpoint. Uh, We all have that passion. We all, we will do the extra mile to help our customers because it's in our blood. It's in our DNA uh, security. Yeah, no no kidding and and there's no end in sight, is there? I mean, we're <laughs> you're going to have this job as long as you want it. That's <laughs> that's for sure. You know, you you guys publish a a, a cybersecurity report I I guess annually and your 2023 report talked about consolidating the uh the entire cybersecurity posture which you just mentioned as a step in in the right direction toward you know, improved resilience and cyber defense. What 
What do you mean by consolidating the entire cybersecurity posture and and how does one do that? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, we in the past you had all kinds of point solutions, and yeah, and now with uh, the borders are fading, SASE, where is the perimeter? Is there even a perimeter, or is any asset in a network the perimeter? So you should have consolidated management where you see all the loss of all your assets, uh, your endpoints, your mobiles, uh, security made easy. That's the, the short version of it, because yeah, everything is now interconnected anytime, any device, anywhere. So every asset is holding sensitive information. It's a goldmine for people with bad intentions, for hackers and attackers, or uh, they are using your assets in your network as jump hosts, or they do propagation attacks. So you need security made easy, a single pane of glass that will tell you exactly what is the security posture of your complete device fleet from your endpoint, mobiles, and IoT assets, and everything within. I hope that is uh, that clarifies a little bit, the three Cs, as we like to call it. Yeah, sure. But, you know, it feels like with the pandemic, that kind of brought a lot of this into focus. But has anything really changed since uh, since you know before and after? I mean, you could you could have made the same argument before the pandemic, could you not? Absolutely, but that's what I mean. With the borders are a little bit shifting. People tend to work from home, and uh, if I'm a hacker and I can access a corporate computer, but uh, I will exit it from home. Uh, imagine what uh, all the assets I can uh, infect as well or access to. So we see a lot of uh, attacks happening on schools and educations because if you are in, it's also like a gold mine, social security numbers, uh, names, things like that. So in the past, you see that they are mainly targeting enterprises weak with weak security in place or internet-connected devices that are not properly secured. And we see it now shifting to the quick wins and things like that, like education, all kinds of IoT assets that are unsecured and connected to to the internet. So, yes, you could say it in the past, but the world is still a little bit different. We are returning from the work from home, but... Imagine your house, you have a lot of assets in your house. If I uh, count my devices here, I have at least 40 smart assets in my house. It's crazy, right? And imagine if uh, if that's got encrypted with ransomware or my ISP will call me, you're doing infections to other uh, customers. Uh, we will block you, for example. That was happening in the past in the Netherlands. So, yeah, it's crazy. But it's really, really nice, and it's a nice world. But I think anywhere, anytime, any device, because everything is interconnected. Yeah, and for sure, you're right. It's a it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. I think, of course, yeah. I think I have eleven. I think at the last time I counted, just in my office <laughs> alone. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, it is a, it is a crazy world. But you often see that a lot of companies have all kinds of policies in place. Uh, an endpoint should not be X amount of updates behind, but they are completely missing out the smart refrigerator or the smart TV that's directly connected. And we are here to make people aware you are as good as your 
weakest security in your network, get my point. So you need to make sure that you have the right security controls on every potential attack surface that you have in your network. And a lot of times our customers are not even aware. I don't have any visibility what's connecting to my network. How can I secure it? So that opens a new opportunity to discuss and to create awareness, uh, to check if there are solutions in place. And with IoT and IoT, it's uh, completely different in OT environments. Uh, my customers have no visibility at all what's connecting. If I ask how many assets do you have, we believe we have 1,500 PLCs, for example, and uh, some some robots. But if we do a checkup, we find much more assets. We see a lot of uh, OT administrators logging in directly from the internet with no security at all. So that's often an eye-opener. Yeah, indeed it is. I, uh, and I think that, you know, at least in my experience, most folks don't actually feel they're competent enough to grok, you know, how to be the service desk, if you will, for all of their connected smart, quote unquote, smart devices. And, and because of that, you know, people happily, def- you know, accept the default settings on everything and that's kind of a bad place to start but nonetheless i mean i don't know how you i don't know how you fix that problem that's a it's a human nature problem that i don't think no matter how much education you provide people with the opportunity to consume whether that's going to ever change anything because you know information and knowledge are not the same thing so i can i can give you lots of information (laughs) yeah right I can give you, unless you transfer that internally, then uh, it's just more information and you won't know what to do with it. So I have one tip. So if you are listening and you are thinking, oh, I'm in my house and I have a lot of IOTS that's connected to my network, please put them in a separate VLAN, do some segmentation. So if shit hits the van, you are secured. So that's our basic principles. And that's something that I love to preach cyber hygiene, your cyber immune system. So you can do a lot of things with uh, all kinds of solutions that you have, but you, you do have to do segmentation, VLAN, making sure that you cannot connect from the internet to the inside. So there are a lot of things to eliminate a lot of threats uh, that you have nowadays in your home. So just a sidestep. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and, you know, there's a certain amount of uh, human behavior that sort of takes over the space a little bit, too. I remember, you know, about 100 years ago when I was younger and felt like uh, I needed to be that tech support guy, you know. So if some family member, spouse or child was having trouble with their, you know, connectivity or the devices or whatever, I was the guy that they called on it. I happily did that because, you know, it, it was all about my ego, you know, and, and I think at some point in time, you got to give that up, right? I mean, one of the safest ways, I think, to to maintain a safe environment at home is to, is to hire a third party, you know, to, to manage this stuff for you in the same way that a, you know, help desk uh, or yeah. tech support function would be at your at your office. And it's 50 bucks a year or some crazy thing like that. And, you know. You just call a number and you say, hey, I can't connect to email for whatever reason. And, you know, an hour later, it's fixed and you go on your, about your business. And then nobody has to, you know, worry about keeping current with, you know, whatever 
version of the operating system you happen to be on. Anyway, I it's uh, always been a stupid barrier for me. It took me a while to get over that, but I did. But I think there's a lot of that going on now as well. I don't know if that has any impact on OT and IT. However, we'll use yeah, it. Yeah, as it, a... has. <laughs> it has. It has definitely. But better times are coming. I researched a lot of regulation and all the legislative acts. And if we see globally, a lot of mandatory regulations coming up, especially for IoT assets or smart internet connected devices. And the good thing is that vendors or manufacturers are now made responsible for putting security on the devices. For example, there should be a secure password in place. Data privacy things should be in place as well. And those key elements, because if you take a look at all the regulations worldwide, they all have key elements, secure access control, uh, vulnerability updates, because who is responsible for a vulnerability? And for example, I have a smart doorbell. Am I responsible for firmware updates or vulnerability patching? Or is it the vendor that sold the device to me? So with the new regulations coming up, the security posture will be better because they have to do certain things in the code to make it cyber attack proof so and zero day proof. So that those things are coming and that's really, really nice. But OT is still back in the 80s, if I may say. Because there are machines in there that are running for years and years and years. And the concerns are very different to IT because in IT, it's accountability and things like that, the CIA trade. And in OT, it's completely different. It is concerns over downtime and should not impact any critical process whatsoever and safety concerns. So often in those environments, you see robots, HMIs, PLCs that are 30 or 40 years old. So, yeah, and they are not ready for industry that for because they are connecting smart devices in the shop floor as well. And with that, um, we at Checkpoint and I always say the Purdue model is a real old model. Do you know the Purdue model? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's yeah, it's a great uh, model to use to work with all kinds of layers because with the levels, uh, you should do segmentation. Uh, you should make yeah, do some kind of conference between IT and OT. And if you do the principles of the Purdue model, you have already some security in place. Because why does the uh, OT operator needs to connect directly from level five to a field device at level zero, for example. Yeah, and the problem with that is that I, I'm unaware of any technology that is in use today in an OT environment. That those are the two qualifiers that uh, monitors that telemetry down at level zero. I mean, that's, yeah. those are electromagnetic pulses that are device to device, and that's where that attack surface is. So it's interesting to me that the emphasis in OT from a network monitoring point of view has traditionally been the same emphasis as it has been in IT, and that is, you know, level two and up. And so I wonder, you know, if... <laughs> If you're not monitoring down at that level, I don't know how you would detect a threat. Yes. You see third-party vendors that we work with, it all starts with a classification detecting what is really connected to the network and then doing some kind of baselining, watching the network for a week. And uh, if the baseline is in place, then you can say, 
look if there's an anomaly then for sure we'll know there's an attack going on or there's something happening uh, on the device but yeah there should be all kinds of security controls in place that's just one of them but i have to agree it's it's challenging and not uh, often they are not aware of the security threats or not open to it because they don't think they are attractive to hackers and yeah just just waiting for another attack to happen uh, to be honest yeah and the ecosystem yeah. itself seems pretty porous to me as well i mean if you can I mean, you know, there aren't any Wi-Fi firewalls, for example, in most plants that I'm aware of. And, you know, that means you can kind of wander in and, you know, hook up to a Wi-Fi connection and you're beyond the network. I don't know why those things aren't part of the consideration. Yeah, absolutely agree. So we well, still have a lot of work to do. I was uh, going to say, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Checkpoint's business, though, is... In OT, for example, maybe you can explain what their market really is in from an OT point of view as opposed to an IT perspective. For OT, we have uh, certain uh, things in place. We have third-party integrations with Clarity, for example. They do asset classification, mm -hmm. and you will get enriched information to which uh, HMI is some something connected to which slots so you can do anomaly detection and do reporting about it. It will tell you exactly if you are running behind with firmware versions and so forth. Then we have all kinds of gateways to do security gateways to do segmentation and micro segmentation. Remember the Purdue model, you want to have segmentation at all because for example, mask that was really big because there was no segmentation in place. Yeah. And yeah. on our firewalls, we have, something pretty cool. We do application control and we can inspect to our competition the most variety of protocols and OT protocols. For example, let's take Modbus. It's uh, very often used in OT environments. And we can detect if there's an OT operator doing a write or read command. And you want to have visibility who is accessing a PLC uh, value, for example. And we can detect which subcommand it's being argued. So that's something unique that we can do. Then we have our nano agent and our embedded nano agent can be in, uh, onboarded on any smart industrial device. At least as there's one MB of RAM and CPU available. So we harden the device from within. We make it tamper-proof. It's completely uh, zero-day proof in air-gapped environment, so uh, called OT environments. So making sure that the device keeps on working as intended. So we have yes. a lot of solutions. Yeah. So at a more abstract level, I guess, how do we convince the plant managers that there is an imminent threat and that we need to do some invasive things that mean shutting the network down for some period of time to upgrade or change or evaluate or even just do an assessment and an inventory, you know, to find out what what PLCs we're running and what their capabilities are, et cetera, et cetera. How do we how do we get that message across to the guys that are responsible for operating these plants? I think it's uh, it depends because you have very cool OT operators and administrators and, and shop floor managers. They understand it and they have pen testing going on. They are aware. But the other half is a little bit 
ignorant. They don't think they are a target at all. And I believe that regulations will be a main driver for critical infrastructure. So we see all kinds of obligations, supply chain attacks. You can be a victim of a supply chain attack as collateral damage. So with regulations, and if you are uh, doing critical infrastructures or manufacturing, there will be regulations in place to fix the other half. I'm not sure if that will fix it all, but it will raise the bar for sure with a better security posture, minimizing the attack surface. Are you referring specifically to the GDPR? Because, and I ask that because if this this kind of goes back to our immediately prior discussion about consolidating cybersecurity posture, et cetera, that when you have IoT devices, for example, that you want to regulate, if it's a smart refrigerator or whatever you want to regulate in the states, each state has different security yeah. requirements, right? So if, I, if I'm if i a manufacturer of a PICA thing, I don't care, smart refrigerator, I've got to potentially manufacture 50 different configurations of refrigeration in order to satisfy each state's privacy and security requirements. To my opinion, that's not the case, because if uh, you have some worldwide legislative acts like uh, the Cybersecurity Improvement Act, but you also have indeed the local acts and uh, legislative acts, but they all face uh, key elements. They all talk about security controls. They all talk about secure. So you don't have to have those 17 or 80 things in place. You should make sure that sensitive and private data is being secured, secure connections that your device is not connecting over, directly connecting to the internet using Telnet, for example, not secure at all. So yes, there are a lot of uh, local acts, but in general, they have the same key element, the requirements that they face. And I believe, and I think it's time also that critical infrastructures, OT environments, manufacturing, all kinds of factories should share information with each other, anonymized, that they are under attack to raise the bar. And uh, there are regulations coming up as well, uh, I believe, in the U.S. too. Yeah, and you and I will probably go to our graves thinking that. I mean, I agree. Of course, I agree with you, but I don't know how that's ever going to happen. Moving on, however, we have a earth shifting. I don't think that's an understatement or an overstatement event that just occurred with the release of the current swath of generative AI products, chat GPT, you know, three and a half and four and five coming That has the very real potential to change the equation like we've never seen before in cybersecurity and in a lot of other places as well, but but specifically in security. And we know the bad guys are way ahead of us. You guys have talked about, or at least your research threat analysts have talked about an example of a full infection chain using chat GPT or generative AI that doesn't require writing a single line of code. Can you explain that example that you guys talk about? You could ask ChatGPT to uh, create a cyber attack for you and it will completely take care of it for you. It will write the code, it will will launch it. But um, I would like to take it a step higher because I think ChatGPT will change the world. It's really a new frontier. 
and you can use it for bad and for worse. In, for example, the EU, we see now countries are banning JetGPT because there's all kinds of other concerns. But I think it's like any new technology. We should uh, yeah, see how it's evolving. We should be very cautious. You can use it for the good and you can use it for the bad. So, yeah, you can ask it all kinds of things and it will do a complete attack chain for you. But you can use it for the good as well. If you want to uh, have a remedy for a certain disease, for example, uh, that's just a, a stupid example. But get my point, you can use it for the good and for the bad. Yeah, let's stay focused on generative AI for a second. What, what do you consider, we go back to OT and the OT environment, what do you consider to be a, a big risk from a generative AI point of view around OT? Good question. I like that question. I need to think about it. Uh, let's use an example. You have an old shop floor with um, machines and OT assets, uh, HMIs, PLCs running for a lot of years. And now they are connecting smart devices in the network. And they, um, yeah, they are not really um, aware of the security threats it will bring. And I believe that a lot of shop floors are connecting to the internet without relative uh, and good security controls. And with AI, I think uh, that will, could be a real danger if, uh, for example, uh, hacktivism, uh, cyber warfare will say, let's use the uh, example, the Netherlands has provided some military goods to Ukraine with the war in Russia, and that Russia will state, oh, please shut down all the factories uh, in the Netherlands, for example. So that's a bad thing. Uh, that's a real concern, if you ask me. Yeah, sure. Does Checkpoint have a separate initiative around uh, generative AI, or has it gotten that big internally yet? Oh, I'm sure we have, but I have to admit that's not my expertise. Mm -hmm. So I'm no. sure we are on, we are on it, but I'm really into OT and IoT. But it's a good question. May I come back to you on that one? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, anytime, anytime. <laughs> So one of the things, you know, that we do here is uh, is education and, and training and specifically in cyber uh, security. So I guess kind of a closing question would be, uh, how big a role can education play in putting forward an effective defense against cyber attacks? And, and where should the emphasis be in terms of the kind of topics that we present and the kind of studying that people need to focus on yeah i I'll always close down my presentation we uh with robert Mueller, the former director of the fbi he's stating there are two companies those that have been hacked and those that will be hacked and sure. uh, i am adding a third one those that have been hacked and still don't know so right what is a calculated risk because you cannot secure your environment 100% completely. That's impossible. So you can try to make it as secure as possible. But are you aware of the security holes, the, the threats that you are facing? And I believe that education can be a crucial part in cyber immune hy and cyber hygiene with uh, basics like passwords and email, things like that, and phishing to security gateways, protecting networks and things like that, and cloud security. So I believe that education is key, uh, absolutely. 
Yeah, and you, so you mentioned cloud security. So the second part of this question really is complexity, right? We know, yeah. I, I believe that over the last five years, let's say, that the complexity has expanded to such an extent that we, yeah. most of us, have no idea what we're doing any longer. And I mean that in the nicest way. I mean, it's not it's not anybody's fault. It's just that, you know, if you got if you're implemented edge computing and you've got hybrid cloud and you've got Kubernetes containers everywhere and you've got an aggressive, you know, DevSecOps team that's that's doing, you know, 25, 50 pushes a day, you're using a lot of you're reusing a lot of code. You've got a lot of, you know, transitive derivatives. You've got a lot of API exposures. And that's what we have with that consolidated management and the consolidated security because we have security posture in the cloud. We can <laughs> check a code practice with the CI CD pipeline. We can uh, secure the complete chain of the customer's environment with our solution. But we see that it's complex. We believe that security should be easy and that you should have, that's our philosophy with Horizon events, for example, you will see all the events happening in your network, making them with actionable alerts, doing remediation and so forth, just making, drilling it down to uh, from the complexity to a simple overview that's manageable and will tell you with one single uh, look at the dashboard, here I need to take action and for the rest i'm uh, good for example and so if i'm a CISO, all i need to do is call the checkpoint folks and say hey give, give me one of those dashboards i need to understand what my attack surface looks like exactly and then we can even do reporting making you compliant with all kinds of regulations you will get alerts so absolutely all right well that sounds like a deal then to me <laughs> So we could talk for a long time here, Antoinette. I appreciate you taking the time out and talking to us from the Netherlands this evening, your time. And um, I hope we can do it again sometime because it's been a real pleasure. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here. And I will get back to the question. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you will. And I can hardly wait. So that's Thanks great. So, so again, uh, folks, this is Antoinette Hodes, the security evangelist in the office of the chief technology officer and global solutions architect for Checkpoint Software Technologies with us today. And I hope that you enjoyed the session as much as I did. And we look forward to chatting with you the next time. So until then, I'm your host, Steve King, signing out. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cybersecurity Insights. You can connect with us on LinkedIn or Facebook or send us an email at social at cybered.io. For more information about the podcast, visit cybered.io forward slash podcast. Until next week, stay safe and secure, and we'll see you on the next episode of Cybersecurity Insights.